They find their way back to this place. Hey everyone, welcome to Reclaiming the Bible Belt podcast. My name is Joseph Dockery. Today, we have a special episode for you. I'll be joined by one of my longtime best friends, Micah Houghton. Micah and I grew up together. We had a lot of the same sources when it came to our spiritual formation. We shared a Bible study group. We went to a lot of the same youth events. Since graduating college, Micah and his wife, Caitlin, moved out to Colorado and took a job with Compassion International Ministry, and they both take part in a local body of believers where they live. Today, Micah and I are going to look back at the first episode of the show, specifically targeting our mission and vision, and I'm going to let Micah provide his unique perspective as a one-time Bible-belting Christian now looking in from the outside. We believe one of the greatest threats to the reach of Christianity is not those who don't know Christ, but is those who think that they do. So we want to build the kingdom of God in the places that Christ is known, but not yet followed. Let's dive in. All right, well, let's get started for today. Welcome, everybody, to Reclaiming the Bible Belt. My name is Joseph Dockery, and today is a special episode. I have joining with me one of my longtime best friends, Mr. Micah Houghton. Thank you so much, Micah, for joining in with us for this special episode. Thanks, Joe. It's an honor to be on Joseph's podcast. Oh, wow. Well, we're glad that you're here. Me and Micah have a long... Um, long friendship reaching back into middle school. Um, and uh, Micah and I had an accountability Bible study group that we grew up. A lot of our spiritual development as as Christians, as believers, um, really kind of went together. We were a lot of what formed us. We kind of went side by side on. We had the same mentor. We had the same group of friends. We did a lot of the same stuff through, you know, around our community um, Micah, you have any like funny standout memories of you and I as far as being Christians and growing up together in the Bible Belt just before we even like get started? Uh, it's a lot of pressure to have to think of one story. Uh, no, I was I was just thinking uh, our small group of friends who were very outward about our faith. Uh, we we kind of had a reputation in the school as being the Christian. And so it was just interesting to see through so many social situations throughout the years of how people would act differently around us or how they would treat us differently because like we were the Christians. And it's funny talking about uh, cultural Christianity because everyone considers themselves a Christian, but yeah, there, of, there's the irony is that we're the Christians. But then if you ask every one of those people, are you a Christian? They'd say, yeah, I'm a Christian. Right. But, but there is, I don't know. We were just viewed in a different light as in like, oh, those are the people that truly follow Jesus or those are the people that actually take their faith seriously. Yeah. One, one uh, hilarious story that comes to mind that just shows you the friendship that Mike and I have. Um, we held each other accountable on things. And um, there was one fateful night where we went to a, a school sanctioned dance. <laughs> and uh, well, we were wearing ties because it was homecoming, and um, people tend to take part in specific kinds of dances at public public high schools that I def I took part in or in prior years to this event, and we went in saying we don't want to do that. And there was a moment where Micah started to draw closer to the group of people who were 
um, all in this just crazy weird pit of dancing together. And I took my tie off and I started smacking Micah in the face. And that was how we held each other accountable. You remember that, Micah? I do remember that. I don't think I could ever forget that. But uh, <laughs> thanks, Joseph. Thanks for yep, no problem. accountability at its finest. Yes. I needed plenty of it myself. That was just a funny one that stood out. Then we, then he took his tie off and we started just, instead of dancing, just started like running around the gym, fighting each other with our ties. That was us as 16 years old, 16 year olds. Yep. Not much has changed. Nope. So, um, here's what's very unique about Micah joining in with us. Micah is currently in Colorado Springs, Colorado, and I'm in Northeast Georgia on the East coast. And uh, that's kind of why um, I've asked him to be a part of this episode today. <clears throat> Mike and I grew up together in the same community, being a part of um, the Bible Belt Christianity that we're you know talking about and discussing together on here. Um, but Micah is now living outside of that area and kind of is able to see things, see the Bible Belt, see how people look at the Bible Belt outside of the Bible Belt, both as Christians and non-believers, and he get, he's he got a perspective that, I mean, just quite honestly, I mean, I haven't lived outside of the, out of the Bible Belt, and uh, as much as I am excited to continue talking about this issue, I don't have that perspective, and uh, I, so I'm excited for Micah to be able to give us a perspective of someone who grew up there, who didn't, Micah did not have like a rebellious moment of walking away from the faith. He stayed, uh, he followed Jesus all throughout high school, into college, graduated, and is now working for Compassion International out in Colorado. So, you know, obviously nobody's perfect, but Micah's story is not one of drifting away from the faith, but now he's part of the faith in a completely different part of the country than where we grew up at. And so I'm excited for him to be able to give a perspective that I think a lot of us need to be able to hear and really all that we're going to do for this episode is look back at our first episode, which was the mission, uh, the vision and mission casting portion of the first episode, and uh, let Micah kind of give his two cents on the things he maybe agrees with, disagrees with, um, and why he feels like a podcast like this is, is needed for the Big C Church as a whole, um, and especially for those who follow Jesus, but do so within the kind of geographical boundaries where cultural Christianity kind of runs rampant, and uh, so I'm excited to be able to do that. So, Micah, to begin with, um, you've heard it already. Um, You've heard our mission statement. It is to say, we believe that one of the biggest threats to the reach of Christianity isn't people who don't know Christ, but it's people who think that they do. So our mission is to build the kingdom of God, where Christ is known but not yet followed. Um, in other words, in a, we want to build the kingdom in the areas where um, Christ is claimed to be known, that people know who Jesus is, they, they've heard the, the Christian message, but there's not a sense of actual following um, the life of what biblical Christianity looks like. So that's our mission statement. What were some of just your immediate thoughts when you heard that? And, um, and along the way, Micah, any questions you might have, throw, throw them my way as well. Yeah, I think uh, <clears throat> I, I, I told you this already, but I think the, the target audience of the podcast to kind of reach people that kind of live in that space of culture of Christianity and, and maybe people that grew up in church 
for people that maybe you didn't grow up in church, but you grew up around church people. And uh, so I think that's a very specific group of people. But I think it's it's a lot of a lot of people fall in the category where they're kind of taught certain things. They're, they're taught a certain way of life growing up and a certain mindset of, you know, how to view the world through. And uh, I think we see this over and over. A lot of people that kind of grow up in that space uh, in the southern part of the United States, once they, whether it's in college or, uh, you know, once they hit the real world, there's kind of like this awakening to, you know, culture and to uh, especially the secular culture that we're seeing in the U.S. right now. And so, um, yeah, I think I think a lot of what you addressed in the first episode, as far as <clears throat> people's perspective on on God and Jesus and what it means to actually follow Jesus, are very skewed. And uh, and whether that's because of the environment they grew up in or, or the people they surround them with th- themselves with, it's easy to. Uh, to view who Jesus was in a different light than who he really was and who he really uh, made himself out to be. And so, yeah, I think it's, these are really important conversations to have. And I think there's a lot of people, whether they like to admit or not, are actually having real questions about these things. And they really want to figure out where they land and what they believe and, and really figure out how does, how does their Christian faith, uh, how should it influence how they, how they uh, interact with culture and how they perceive different things going on going on around us. So yeah, I think it's it's an awesome uh, place to have those conversations and just kind of be real with one another. Cool. So <clears throat> I want to call attention to one thing that uh, we've had a couple of questions just like on social media and people just asking me face to face, clarifying in the Bible Belt uh, in our culture, the vernacular to say I know Christ typically associates yourself with saying, I'm a Christian. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I have the knowledge of who Jesus is and who he says he is and what he and what he says he did. And so a lot of people have kind of asked me to clarify why our mission statement says we want to build the kingdom where Christ is known but not yet followed. What do you see just kind of in moving from the Bible Belt and hanging out with a, a group of Jesus following Christians outside of the Bible Belt, can you breathe life to the difference between those two words or those two ideas of knowing Christ, which this is describes the Bible Belt? I mean, everyone down there would know what we mean when we say, hey, do you know who Jesus Christ is? They have some paradigm to put that in, um, a very heavy paradigm, but separating that from following him and how that equates to being a part of the kingdom. Can you breathe any just kind of like light into the experience of what that looks like outside of the Bible Belt after growing up in it? Yeah, so just to throw this out there, Colorado Springs, where I live, is a lot of people call it the Christian bubble of the state of Colorado. And so I would say culturally, there's a lot of similarities to growing up in the deep south. Uh, In a lot of ways, it's very different. but kind of at the surface level. A lot of people are Christians. Uh, there's a lot of Christian ministries that are based here. And so a lot of people that work there. And, and also uh, there's, a, there's a really heavy military 
uh, presence here in Colorado Springs. And so a lot of people associate that with conservatism and Christianity and all that kind of stuff. And so. So you've almost got your own little Bible <clears throat> belt buckle. Yeah. Right there, there in the middle of Colorado. There is, but you know, it doesn't, you don't have to go very far to get out of it. And so, right. And so I would say there is a, uh, there's a definite, a definite, presence of cultural Christianity here in Colorado Springs, but I wouldn't say it's nearly as deeply embedded as the South. Um, in a lot of ways, when you grow up in the deep South and you, like you guys have talked about in previous episodes, uh, going through the motions and going to, going to church on Sunday, uh, you know, you have your Sunday routine. A lot of times you go out to eat afterwards and it's just kind of like, being a Christian is like what you do on Sunday and that's it. I think there is a, at least from people that I interact with here, there is a, a uh, spiritual maturity that people, and this, I'm, I'm in no way trying to overgeneralize. I think there's obviously people on all different parts of the spectrum, but I think, uh, the state of Colorado in general, a lot of people see as a pretty progressive secular space. And so I think once you kind of get out of the little bubble that a lot of people consider Colorado Springs, uh, that it requires a, a sense of spiritual maturity of, you know, you need to have a real authentic relationship with Jesus in order to really say that you are a believer. And I think, uh, when you hear people talk about that, people aren't, don't just say they're Christians. Actually, it's, in a lot of spaces, it's actually looked down upon to be a Christian because you're viewed as closed-minded or, you know, all those things. And so it, it's pretty bold to say that you're, that you believe in Jesus and that he is your savior. And so I do think, think that that is kind of the next step of what you see once you kind of get out of that cultural Christianity space. Um, and that's, I mean, that's why it's easier to kind of separate, you know, who truly deems Jesus as Lord and, and who doesn't. Uh, and there's much less gray area in between. Good, good input. So from there, we, after establishing our uh, mission statement, we started unpacking three main goals that um, we hope to be checking off, honestly, every, every episode, if we can, um, that go hand in hand with that mission statement. And the first one really is probably the large sum of it all. We want to be able to offer biblical insight um, keyword biblical there, um, to guide both believers and people who don't claim to be a Christian, probably because of the cultural Christianity that they've experienced, but to be able to provide true biblical insight to both believers and non-believers as a source separate from the suffocating and hurtful representation that cultural Christianity gives. In other words, Cultural Christianity begins to give a picture of who Jesus is that, or who God is or who the body of Christ, the church, the people who follow him. Um, it begins to paint a picture that is not correct. And uh, well, sometimes it's because we aren't doing it right. Um, and people fall into the, the, the lull of cultural Christianity and, and don't, uh, don't allow themselves to be challenged to look how we're supposed to look. And we and we um, we wanted to be careful to say that you know that we're not suggesting that there aren't <clears throat> true good pictures of Jesus in um, the Bible Belt area. There are great churches. There are great groups of 
believers who put on a great picture of who Jesus is. But a large part of people's understanding of who Jesus is is not from those churches. Um, and so we wanted to create a space where we try to, as best we can, offer a correct picture. And so for the believers who you know, follow Jesus, being able to step even further into the richness of what it looks like to follow Jesus biblically and kind of put it put, pushing aside all of the extra fluff that has been created. And then for the non-believer who maybe is so turned off by the picture that our culture has painted, um, giving, giving them a picture that we hope as best we can is reflective of what the biblical intent was. So with that point in mind, Micah, um, just kind of looking from the outside in, how can you see the need, or maybe specific needs, specific examples of, of why people, um, both believers and non-believers, have been hurt by the incorrect picture of God, Jesus, faith, um, just kind of talk through having lived outside of it now, uh, a perspective of seeing people who are affected and, and hurt by um, their faith being so based on the cultural communication of a life of following Christ. Yeah, I think the most glaring example that we've seen recently is how tightly coupled people have associated politics with faith. <clears throat> and in no way am I trying to, to get into that and, and talk about specifics or anything. But I think I think for a long time you've seen people associate Christianity with one political ideology. And and uh, I think when you so tightly couple those things, it creates a dangerous game where if people for some reason find themselves not fully identifying with everything on that side of the spectrum, it can really alienate them from the faith. And so I think you see this, and I don't even think it necessarily applies to just one side of the spectrum. I think people make assumptions about uh, about you know true Christians should be on this side or the other side of the political spectrum, and I think it's just a dangerous game to uh, to to act like you know the way God has created us and the way God wants His church to be a light to the world that it can only fall into one spot space on that spectrum. And so I, don't know, I, I just see this a lot because I think I think uh, I think it's important for the church to play a role in the public space and how you know we, we make this world a better place. But I think as as kingdom people, I'm going to use the word kingdom a lot because I think that's a really, really important word. Uh, we're called to kind of go beyond culture and kind of go beyond uh, you know human, uh, kingdoms that we live in and uh, you know by going beyond those things we're kind of we're kind of you know going above you know what what you know as as uh, what am I trying to say people of the world as a non-kingdom people a lot of times the way that they 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 do good and they, and they you know morally they do what they think is right is is through you know, the processes of politics and, and things like that. And those are completely fine. But I think as kingdom people, like we believe that, that the end all be all is not 
this life and not this world. And so I think Jesus calls us to kind of step beyond those things and say, how can I think eternally? And, you know, as God would have us to think. And so, yeah, I think that's the most glaring thing that I see that kind of pushes people away from from the faith and because they associate so many things with uh, faith and politics because people tightly couple them so much. And I just don't think that's really how uh, God would, would have his church to to interact with the world. Right. Yeah, we talked a little bit about it and you're saying that so many different versions of Jesus and I think a prevailing one down in the Bible Belt is conservative Republican Jesus. And uh, just uh, just so we don't immediately have people clicking off, like Micah is not a raging liberal. He's also obviously not a raging conservative either. So uh, the point that I hope that you know a listener would take from this is to see that it is a part of the culture, this this um, labeling that we have put on people to say that your politics are specifically tied with um, your relationship with the one true God. And Micah, you're speaking my love language, talking about kingdom, and that's why it's intentionally a part of our mission statement um, with the idea that the ending of the Bible paints a picture of God setting up his own kingdom, and any kingdom that is not about, first and foremost, nothing else uh, in front of God and what he says is right and wrong, that kingdom is going to be overthrown. And, you know, for anybody, whichever side you land on, Republican, Democratic, or Democrat, uh, conservative, liberal, the, the fact of the reality is, is that we've got two entities that their main goal isn't the glorification of God. Even if one of them, if you can, even if you can argue that one of them lines up more with a biblical worldview, the point is that it's still not good enough. And that's, I mean, that's the gospel. That's the heart of the gospel is that God is trying to make all things new. And the only way that he does that is setting up his kingdom. And so yeah, kingdom talk is extremely important. That's a good word. Yeah, and just to get, um, just to add to that, yeah, go ahead. Because you you talked about how you know at the end of the book it talks about God establishing His kingdom as the way it should be. But I also think it's important to to remember that when Jesus came, He announced that the kingdom of God is here, and that was right now, right now. And we're we're living in that. Uh, we get to be a part of the kingdom right now, and I think as kingdom people, like we're called to so much more than, uh, than what the world, uh, is called yeah, to build know? the kingdom of God, not, not build my political party. Right. And so, and, and, you know, that doesn't, that doesn't mean we're going to get along perfectly. Obviously people are so different minded when it comes to these kind of things, but I think it's the humility of being able to step back and say that person is wired how they're wired. I'm wired how I'm wired, but recognizing the reality of, hey, they naturally, just because of the world we live in, are not going to listen to anything that I say that is coming from underneath the banner of this side of the political spectrum. You know, there's an immediate shutting off of listening from both sides when you start doing it underneath the banner of Republican, from underneath the banner of Democrat. And so, you know, if we kind of shift our paradigm to say, hey, I'm building the kingdom, and there's overlap, 
there, there are things that we can agree on. There's things that we are disagreeing on, and we should talk about them lovingly. But I think exactly what you're getting at, Micah, is how hurtful it is when you see politics tied to the cross, because there's so, so much baggage that is man-made and that is steeped in man-made pride. Um, and if we're trying to present who Jesus was, who showed up on the scene and said, hey, I'm building my own kingdom. I'm not um, siding with Rome. I'm also not siding with the Jews. You know, like I'm not coming in and completely like agreeing with everything that they've got going on because you guys have got problems too. Here's a new kingdom. And I think we need to have the mindset of, of Jesus in that of, hey, the kingdoms of this world are not going to line up with him. And uh, we've got to let him set our course. So that's good. Um, second goal we discussed was being able to um, discuss difficult questions that some faith communities deem unfaithful to even entertain in the first place. So what I mean by that is sometimes there are topics that in our culture have, um, and it, it, it comes from good intentions, like most things, have uh, some topics and things that are difficult to discuss have sort of been tabooed as conversation starters because it's this idea that if you really love Jesus, you wouldn't even entertain questioning this or that or the other. You should just say, you know, I'm okay to not know this, or this is how we've always been taught it. Um, And with that comes a... I think to the non-believer especially, this spirit of just like laziness and fear, um, or even to a believer who's trying to figure out what they believe and why they believe it, um, it becomes hard to trust your community of believers if they're telling you you're a bad person for having uh, questions about things and we're not going to talk to you about them. So um, I don't know, Mike, a personal experiences with that or seeing that play out differently outside of the Bible Belt, um, is, that a, is that a goal that is worth striving for? Yeah, I think it's definitely something worth striving for. Um, I, think, I think the first thing that comes to my mind that we could all use a little more of, including myself, is humility. Because I think, I think uh, the, the more I follow Jesus and the more I, I hear people's opinions on things, it's obvious that there's different ways to different ways to interpret different parts of the Bible. And so that's a lot of where these conversations come out of. And I think these are healthy conversations. I think they're necessary. I think it's, it's really necessary to, to try to understand, you know, uh, where did Jesus stand on? How how did he interact with people on this type of thing? Like, what did he teach uh, our roles here at this point in time? Like, how does this affect us? Um, But I also think that there's a level of humility that we all can carry of, you know, maybe the way I interpret this and, and, you know, there's a possibility I could be wrong, you know, and even, even as I interact with the Holy spirit and I really seek out God's heart on something like there's a chance that I might mess up and, and, you know, not fully have it correct. And so I think that heart posture and going into conversations is really important. Um, And I think, and I think you kind of hit on this, but, Christians have become really, really good at telling people what to do and what not to do. 
and I think it's it's really and I, I definitely think there is uh you know God's design for for humans and, and the way he created us to be in relationship with him and there's a certain way uh that he created us to, to live and be fully prosperous as humans but it's interesting when you look at the way Jesus lived his life <clears throat> there a lot of times when he interacts with people, he does, he doesn't start by telling them what they're doing is wrong or you know the way they're living is wrong. Um, he he uh, one or for the, for the main thing, he just invites them to follow him, and, he, and it's an invitation into his kingdom, into into his way of living. And it's not that he doesn't deal with those things, but it's, it's after the fact of him inviting them into into his will and and, and his way of living, and so. Yeah, I think as as Christians, we just need to we need to think more in that way of kind of attacking, not attacking, of reaching the heart first. And once you once you reach the heart, where people kind of see Jesus who He really is, then you can start talking about all the other things. But to me, there's kind of like the essential things for for salvation and and declaring Jesus as Lord. Not saying those other things aren't important issues; they are. But I think we, but they're t- they're second tier, right? And I, I don't know if you've ever heard the whole tier one, tier two, tier three thing. I don't know who, what unpack it, what who, what smart person came up with this. But kind of the the tier one is kind of the what's essential to salvation. You know, to fully have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Like these are the things you hold on to. And then tier two is kind of you know the really important issues. They they're probably really important per denomination but uh maybe not completely essential for salvation and then tier three is just kind of like the personal preference i think as far as when when it comes to to worship and church so i think it's really important to kind of categorize you know things that we debate about in those three tiers but but like i said and and recognize that we're called to celebrate with the people that we are uh in agreement on tier one with you know like even if tier two and tier three are different I'm called to be unified and they're in the kingdom and they're in the kingdom that I'm in and we're supposed to be in it together, you know? Right. And it's easy for us because right now there's, you know, there's all kinds of hot topics going around, you know, uh, female pastorship, pastoralship is a big one. Uh, you know, issues like that. And these are really important issues and, and, you know, they, they're differing by denominations, but I've, I've just seen so many people kind of categorize and overgeneralize denominations based on where they stand on certain issues. And to me, it's just heartbreaking because it's like, okay, we're all part of the kingdom. Like we're all under, right. under God's reign, like for the same mission. And right. uh, I'm not, and, go ahead. I was going to say, uh, like, it, it's, it's, it's funny when you think about it, because like a lot of times people see you know, and attribute or associate a disagreement with, oh, this person's heading towards, uh, you know, unfaithfulness. Like, the, yep. if they believe in this, they're gonna, they're gonna eventually not believe in Jesus. They're not gonna, you know, and and I get that, and that sometimes happens. But at the end of the day, you know, whether it be pastor, like you know, uh, female pastoralship, or you know, insert the t- the, the the topic. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we are all believing that a guy got up out of the grave yeah. and uh, that he has ultimate say over my life. And I feel like that needs to hold more weight than it does when we approach 
fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Yeah. You know, like that's a that's an absurd claim, and uh, and the world doesn't like that claim. Um, specifically, like I feel like they could care less about the he got up out of the grave because that's neither here nor there for them. But like the fact that a person has a say over what is right and wrong in my life. Yeah. Um, if if I'm if I'm if I'm teaming up if I'm coming in contact with a person that agrees with those two things, ninety nine percent of the time that should be an opportunity to rejoice and like break bread and and then we have the conversations that we want to have like on this podcast, but we have them lovingly and uh, for unity's sake, not for argument's sake. Yeah, I, I feel like the word heresy is throwing out a lot these days. And I think people use that word whenever set someone, whenever someone else's interpretation of scripture is different from theirs. And uh, yeah, I just I don't think that's necessarily the best way to interact with, you know, other other parts of the big C church. Um, I think it's right. I think it's I mean, don't get me wrong. There's definite very important issues that I think uh, we need to have those conversations, but. Um, yeah, just because someone. I wonder how many of those issues. I wonder how many of those issues might work themselves out if we didn't let that issue keep us from like having community with that person. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Like, and instead of trying to uh, figure out the um, answer in a professional debate setting where nobody in their right mind is going to say, "Oh, you're right. I I changed my mind." You know, like, um, what if we did it at a dinner table on a regular basis? And that's just not that's not the culture of Christianity all over the globe. I'm not even putting that to you know the Bible Belt. I feel like that's something that we all could change, but definitely specifically in the Bible Belt. You know, um, if it attacks the Bible Belt culture, it's not a part of the Bible. It's not a part of Christianity. And uh, man, how are, how on earth are we supposed to have conversations with people if that's our mindset? Yeah, I feel like it's it's one of the biggest turnoffs to me when. I'm in a conversation with someone and they, it, it just feels like they have the heart posture of, they know, they know, they have the best theology. They have the best interpretation of scripture. And if you disagree with them on anything, then they automatically discredit you. And um, yeah, I just don't think that that's, you know, uh, if you read the gospels, a lot of what Jesus said is really confusing. Yeah, And so uh, I just don't believe that any of us have it completely figured out. And I think it, I think we need to create the space, like you said, to have those conversations and really just figure out what's God's heart on this, this issue. Um, and that, you know, whether it's religion or politics or anything right now, we could all do a much better job of actually listening to one each other and not making assumptions about where people stand based on one thing. Amen. Preach. Well, at this point of, you know, when we, at the point of this episode being recorded, we haven't done a question and answers episode. That is um, going to be a thing that we do and kind of where we hope that people join in on the conversation and things that come up with our overview themes and sub themes that we get into, people might say, Hey, so what does this mean? And how do, how does this look? And that's where we want to be able to answer those questions. Um, And for the sake of unity, not for the sake of further creating more tribes, you know, like, you know, even if I'm able to give a compelling answer that maybe a listener goes, oh, okay, I changed my mind. I, I, I'm, I'm in agreement with Joseph, you know, on this issue. Now, if that's all that happens, I failed. Um, 
I want that person to be able to come to their own conclusion and then say, but hey, I hear you that disagree that I disagree with and let's let's have conversations about it. Um, that's the heart we're looking for with this aspect of not just answering questions for answering questions sake, but hopefully providing a template for people to say, man, I've never taken a part in a conversation like that. Um, Philip has, wasn't able to join with us on this special interview, but like there'll, there'll probably be times where Philip and I disagree on something. And we, I mean, cause we have, you know, off air before discussing things. And at the end of the day, I love him more than I did five minutes before we started that conversation, you know? So I think creating that template is needed in the Bible Belt culture. So last thing, I know that uh, Mike is on a time schedule. He's out there in Colorado doing things with Compassion International, and he's scooted some time over to do this. And this can just kind of be how we, how we close. Our third goal is to be a resource, which is kind of what we just were talking about, to equip all of us, me, Philip, Micah, all the listeners, to lovingly engage the issues that surround cultural Christianity in my community. So where we have this conversation here, and we would love it if, you know, if you find us a useful tool for you to share us with people, but as a listener, you're going to, you're going to do a lot better if you're able to take this out and in the circles that you come in contact with, discuss the hurtful views of Christ that cultural Christianity opposes, uh, discuss the completely non-unified, um, I guess, like attitudes we have towards discussing difficult questions. Um, so just kind of in closing, Micah, uh, what is just, if, if there's one thing, one or two things that come to mind, what are some first steps that, uh, you would say to a listener to, um, maybe step out and say, okay, this, this podcast can be a tool, but what, what is a way that, uh, I can now go out and in my communities, um, put a picture of Christ on display that represents him, um, that the Bible gives us that isn't based just on our cultural setting. Yeah. Uh, I would say the first thing that comes to mind is spending time with people that don't look like you and act like you. And I think that's much easier said than done. <clears throat> but, uh, if you look at the way Jesus lived his life, he, spent a majority of his time with the marginalized uh, people that were overlooked. And um, in a, a lot of ways, for those types of people, it was the easiest for them to, to accept the invitation to join God's kingdom. Um, and so, yeah, I think for us, it, it, you know, do we favor people? I mean, it's obvious that we favor people that look like us and act like us. And I think I'm naturally drawn to those people. Well, this is just, it's cause it's a comfort, it's a comfort yep, zone thing. Exactly. And comfort is a big word there. And I think, uh, and I am in no way modeling this in a great way in my life right now, but I think this is something that I thought a lot about is how do I seek out those people? Um, because that's what Jesus did. And I think there's a reason why he did that. Um, so that's kind of the first thing I think also, you just, you can't overstate how important it is to be surrounded by people that are passionate about the same things you are. And uh, I think the most formal way to do that is be involved in the church. Um, I'm very aware that there's a lot of 
not perfect churches out there. And, uh, but I, I do think that, you know, God designed the church for a reason. I think the biggest part of church that we overlook is the community aspect of it. And so, you know, surrounding yourself with people that you can have these conversations with that we're having right now and talk about the hard things and try to figure out what is God's heart in this, this issue and how, as a Christian, how do I uh, interact with society around this topic or anything like that? So I think those are the two things that come to mind uh, because we're not, we're not made to do this alone. And, uh, mm. and I couldn't imagine, especially, you know, it being June, 2021, especially the past year of just everything that's gone on in our culture, uh, not being able to kind of have those conversations and be redirected to truth with, uh, people that I really trust around me. I think that's really, really important. So yeah, that's my encouragement to just kind of seek that out. Yeah, that's great encouragement. I would echo it and and also just highlight and recognize that for a lot of people that's hard, that's difficult because you've been hurt by a church. Um, and as Micah said, there's a lot of imperfect churches out there. In fact, there are a lot and only imperfect churches out there because unfortunately churches are full of people. Um, and every single one of us as a Christian recognizes and claims that we're broken and we're striving to be better, but we're striving to be better together in a corporate gathered together um, like session or style or setting. Um, And uh, there's something about that that God has laid out for us that is a part of our growth. And so I guess I would, to add to that, to someone who's nervous or been hurt or doesn't know how to do it, um, I would, I would offer that this isn't like every, every single time this doesn't, isn't the case scenario, but um, sometimes the louder churches are the ones that maybe don't do the best job of uh, modeling Christ, and so um, don't don't let your tiny little churches and don't let your gigantic churches be the only um, churches that uh, I guess represent the body of Christ to you. If you've been hurt by a small little family-run culture church that cares way more about taking care of the people that have been there for a hundred years. Um, that's not Jesus. That's that's not what Jesus looks like. And then if you've been hurt by a big church that doesn't really seem to care who you are, which t- sometimes can happen, like those are two extremes. And I would say don't let that become something that keeps you from looking for a, a, a local body of believers that understands what it means to do community together. They're out there, and they're not the they're they're sometimes not the biggest flashiest ones. But um, if I would just have anything to offer out of this episode, is to say. That's a great first step. I'm glad Micah said it, um, and it's important. So, so glad that you uh, said that, Micah. Um, any closing statements? Any anything further to say, or we we leave it as said there? Yeah. I, well, I have a question for you. I don't know if you want to include it in the. Episode. Yeah, sure. Go for it. So, in the last episode, you guys talked about use the the phrase "absolute truth" a few times, and which I think is. It's a really important idea to, to talk about and think about, especially uh, there's a huge sect of our of our American culture right now that doesn't really believe in absolute truth. And so as Christians, I think this is really important. But when thinking about this idea and having this conversation with non-believers, how do you talk about absolute truth when the person you're talking to doesn't hold scripture as authority in their life? 
Yeah. Yeah, that's and and that'll probably be a topic that we hit on when we come around to maybe a theme that's t- addressing the Bible and what it is and what it isn't. Um, but I guess just a really quick surface level answer to that is to um, get a healthy understanding of what the Bible is. Um, it is not a golden tablets fallen from heaven. Um, Christianity doesn't claim that God and only God was a part of writing this book. It was written by man um, and inspired by the Holy Spirit. And so that's that's one aspect that I think that uh, is important to understand when approaching people, because the, the non-believing world, they, of course, look at it as a man-made book. We're brought up way like leaning on the, oh, this, this book was written by God. I can trust it. And we can, right? But to a person that's not a believer, we're no longer in the culture that just assumes, oh, yes, this man-made piece of literature is something that I should completely and utterly believe. Why would a person that doesn't believe in God believe in that? Um, I think that when we approach non-believers, we have to know that. I think too often we use the Bible as a spell book, like, like incantations that if we say out loud at the right time that something supernatural is going to happen. And don't get me wrong, the, the Word of God has power and doesn't return in void. But understanding, I think, what that means in context is important. The other thing that I—so so understanding what the Bible is is important. The other aspect um, that I would say that's important to approaching somebody who doesn't, without referencing the Bible, find common ground um, that they do agree with but maybe don't know that the Bible affirms. So, for example, Paul, he puts on perfect display in the book of Acts so many different ways of evangelizing. Um, If he's evangelizing in a synagogue, he is rattling out the scriptures that point to Jesus as the Messiah. If he's evangelizing with some pagans that don't know hide nor hair of of the Torah, the Law of Moses, anything like that, you don't see him quoting scripture. You, find, you see him finding common ground and then working from there. And so um, I think it's important that, I mean, there's a lot of things in this world that, the peop- that people recognize are good that are good. And I think that if we, f- we sit on those first and celebrate those things together and, and say, hey, like, I'm not in complete disagreement with you on everything since you don't believe what I believe, that builds a bridge to say, hey, do you see how this is good? Okay, do you see how this is good? Yes. Do you see how all of this begins to work together and for the betterment of like making a life worth living? It's not just a list of rules. And even though the commands that are rules, they're not rules for rules' sake. They're God's way. They're the you know, they're they're God's instruction for how life should be lived. And if someone lives that way, blessing follows. And you know, that's not monetary worldly wealth blessing, but just a life that is fulfilling fulfilling and um, abundant, as Jesus would say. So I, I guess that's how, that's a, that was like a fire hydrant, but just finding common ground so that they start agreeing with the Bible without them even knowing it. Um, and, and so then you begin to connect the dots and say, hey, do you know that like everything that you just said, like Jesus agrees with, and was a big part of him building his kingdom. 
I think that that's a, that's a huge, that's, that's a tool that I've used. And then from there being able to say, now, there are things that me personally, who believes in this God, has a hard time naturally wanting to be right. But I believe it's right because I see all these other things that play out to be right in the end. So I'm going to trust that this is right too. And that's very vague. And I have examples that I'm kind of keeping in the back burner for an episode when we do talk about that. But that's what I would say, I guess, is not being so belligerent on saying that uh, the Bible is the only way that I can share Jesus with somebody. Um, that's that, that might cripple you yeah. a little bit. Man, that's, that's, that's something to be covered in the future, but uh, glad we got to talk about it a little bit. Micah, thank you so much for joining. I know we've kind of gone over your time. Um, guys, thank you for joining in with us today. I hope to do more episodes like this where we just kind of have conversations regarding episodes we've had and topics that we've we've covered um we do believe uh that one of the greatest threats to the reach of christianity is not people who don't know jesus it's not the people who violently protest against our beliefs that's not the biggest threat to our the reach of the the gospel we think that what does inhibit it though are the people that maybe think that they belong to that Christianity think think that they belong to um, the Jesus movement if you will and are representing him incorrectly and so we want to build the kingdom of God where Christ is known but not yet followed That's it for today's episode. Thanks so much for tuning in. We hope that it provided some helpful insight. Like we always say, we want you to be a part of the conversation. So if this episode was helpful to you, please share it with someone who might benefit from it that you know. But more importantly, we pray that you go out and take part in the conversation yourself. We also would love to hear from you. You can connect with us on Instagram at rtbbpod. And if you have any comments, questions, snide remarks, we'd love to hear from you on our email, rtbbpod at gmail.com. If you have any questions pertaining to anything we've talked about that you'd like to be specifically addressed, please record a short 30-second clip telling us your name, where you're from, and what your question is. We'd love to feature you on our next Q&A episode. For now, that's all from us. So until next time, much love.